Hi, this is Huang Zhenyu, along with my co-host, Ken Wilcox, welcoming you to another episode of China 411. Today, the topic will be on artificial intelligence. And we have with us Victor Wang, who is managing partner at CEG Ventures. Welcome, Victor. Thank you. So tell us about yourself. Yeah, basically, um, I came to Valley in 1985, uh, got into Stanford. My uh, PhD advisor, <coughs> who happened to be uh, neural network pioneers, he actually built a world first neuron, electronic neuron, in 1960s, almost uh, 60 years ago. So when I did my research in the late 80s, there was a small blip of uh, uh, neural networks, artificial intelligence. Didn't really come out with any commercially viable product because this was almost 30 years ago. But I got a lot of exposure to AI, you know, machine learning back then. Going back a step, um, uh, how, you went to Stanford in 1985, is that 1985, yes. 85, and wh what were you doing before that? How did you come to Stanford? I, I, I came to Stanford from a, a China university called the University of Science and Technology in China, which is considered one of the best universities in there. Beijing? Uh, it used to be in Beijing, then moved to Hefei, Anhui, and Zhongguo uh, 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 yeah, yeah. So, so I graduated from there, then came to Stanford, for, got my PhD. I studied uh, both neural networks later on, uh, mobile networks, uh, you know, as today's mobile phone. Uh, so neural networks didn't, like this 30 years ago, the hardware, the processing power was uh, not even, you know, the several magnitude, uh, order of magnitude less than today. So uh, it's a pure kind of research. It didn't come out with any commercial viable application. So neural network, actually, the machine learning have a 60 years history, starting from 1956, when the first word coined artificial intelligence. And uh, over the last 60 years, there's many of the small sort of blips mm. and didn't come out anything. Until 2006, there's a major breakthrough in the algorithm. And plus, the hardware today becomes much more powerful. And a third reason being that internet created so much data. If you uh, use a rocket as a metaphor, mm -hmm. the, the computing power is like an engine. Engine today is uh, 10 orders of magnitude powerful than 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Then this data created by internet, big data, is few. So now you have a powerful engine, you have a few. Then engine's design got a uh, breakthrough. Uh, so now rocket is taking off. So, so between <clears throat> becoming an investor and graduating from Stanford, what happened? Uh, after I graduated Stanford, I worked for many companies. One of the company I worked for, Paul Allen's company. Mm -hmm. uh, he, this was in early nineties. He uh, uh, committed one hundred million dollar back then. Uh, uh, in, uh, uh, invest in this company called Interval Research, trying to duplicate Xerox Park's glory in 1970s. You know, Xerox Park invented the uh, you know laser printer workstation, you know object-oriented programming, and uh, so Paul said, "You guys don't have to publish journal paper, you don't have to apply patent. All you have to do is imagine what human society will need in 10 to 20 years." So I was in charge of uh, wearable computing. So basically, 
you know, uh, I, I think I, I um, applied and granted 12 patents, U.S. patents, in two years. One of the patents is that uh, basically, let's say we're having conference call, mm -hmm. right, with a New York, Beijing, right? You want a number one, this voice sounds to be high quality, like a real person. Number two, having certain direction. If a New York comes from east, uh, Beijing from the west, right? So, so my patent is uh, to build an array of speakers on your shirt or jacket, which is machine washable. Then you can listen, just sit here, very naturally talking as if you're talking to the real person, except you can see them. Another patent that I had was that envisioning in 20 years, internet is embedded everywhere. Today we call it Internet of Things. Mm. Back then we just say everywhere is intelligent. How do you control the environment? You want to turn down this uh, 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 lights, you want to turn up the volume, control the temperature room, what do you do? So my uh, patent was that you wear this ring, you have a small touchpad on, on the finger to control your environment. So we did a lot of those uh, really avant-garde, forward-looking uh, things uh, back then. This is Paul Allen's. That's and that was only one category in that company, right? Yeah, Wearables. that's just one category. Yeah. There's uh, many other categories. There were many other categories, but yeah. you were responsible for that one. Yeah, I was. Uh, By the way, what happened to that company? What happened to that company? This is a meant to be, interval meant to be, Paul said, I'm going to put $100 million to support 10 years. So after 10 years, you know, the, become a whole portfolio of inven inventions and uh, some of them got uh, commercialized. Some people spin off. I think one of our colleagues started the, to fund this uh, initial search engine called uh, Alta Vista. Mm -hmm. This is one yeah. of the earlier search engine. There's some other spin offs. Uh, some people started with uh, 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 virtual reality. Actually, we actually won the goggle. Mm -hmm. This was 20 years ago, 25 years ago to test the very first VR system back then. It's a very, actually today, you, you probably heard a, a Magic Leap, the, the, yeah. uh, the AR company. We actually, back then, was uh, studying those kind of things, directly project the image to your retina mm. uh, using laser type of thing. So a lot of a uh, sort of a, that's why when, when I went back to China, people say, wow, this uh, AI AlphaGo defeated uh, uh, you know, one of the gold masters in South Korea. People was, wow, what happened? Here, you know, Silicon Valley doesn't have so much surprise because people know these kind of research has been mm -hmm. going on for the last 60 years. Mm -hmm. You know, like many of the research patent that I have, still not commercialized. Mm. It took generally 30 years from something lab idea to commercial product take another 20 years to become a mm. fully commercialized, whether it's a PC or mm -hmm. cell phone. So, so uh, that's why Silicon Valley people are much more calm and cool. When things come, oh yeah, I know, it's been going on, you know, that kind yeah. of, yeah. What year did you go back? Um, after interval research, I started, uh, uh, co-founded my own company. Here in the Valley. In, here in the Valley. Yeah. What we're trying to do is this, uh, basically, uh, this was 94. I said, Internet is over because, you know, Yahoo is already doing, you know, uh, uh, Mosaic is already doing the website. Next step should be mobile Internet. So what we should do? In retrospect, we're like a 10, 15 years 
way too early. Early, but yeah. and never nevertheless, we we build the world first handheld device that can do email, can browse website. Back then, your cell phone is still analog. You mm -hmm. don't have even digital cell phone. Yeah. No data. We build our own data network across uh, area. So so basically, then uh, I brought this back to China to use this to do stock trading. So this is the world first mobile stock trading system anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, in seven cities, in Shanghai, I can see the tax drivers and small shop uh, owners use our device to do stock trading. So we, we did those kind of a... Uh, Very nice. Yeah. So how, what's the... EG and what are yeah, basically you we to are, do in the U.S.? Yeah, basically CEG Venture is, uh, 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 I started this uh, last year, mm -hmm. and uh, we're a new fund, uh, about $100 million uh, and, uh, for early stage. And uh, the reason I started with the fund is that uh, uh, this AI, uh, in the 30 years I've been in Silicon Valley, I witnessed three major innovation waves. In 1980s, clearly it's PC. Generally, it takes 10 years to mature. Next wave was internet, starting Yahoo, Google. Then the third wave was mobile. Now mobile internet has come to a plateau mm -hmm. because you know what's the sort of a iPhone 8 versus 7, 7 mm. versus 6? It's kind of incremental today, right? Mm. That means that the industry getting matured, plateaued. And uh, before every last wave matured new wave coming out. This fourth wave that I witnessed in the valley is artificial intelligence. Mm. This was so hot, every company is doing this. You know, Google said, we're no longer mobile first company, we're AI first company. Mm. Facebook, Microsoft, you name it, everybody is doing AI. And uh, uh, not only large companies, there's a tremendous opportunity for small companies. And that's why uh, I felt that at this juncture of time, if you get into the industry, you may be able to invest in Google-like of a company. Mm. What is it like in China? What? AI space. AI, um, China, clearly. It's very interesting uh, for, because the people here has been studying AI for 60 years. So right now it's like, uh, you know, you accumulate 60 years of talent, experience, research, all of a sudden, exploding. China, uh, you know, many universities in the last 30 years, they, they don't want to sit on the cold bench. They want to pursue whatever is hot, whatever you can get money. So in many years, not many research there. So today, uh, they're not there. It's, uh, almost like uh, when iPhone first came out, Chin Chinese are using Nokia phone, right? There weren't anything comparable. But today, Many Chinese phones, such as the Huawei's mobile phone, is almost as good as iPhone. It took them 10 years to catch up. Today, so when, when Silicon Valley start any new wave, there's a biggest gap between here and China. So China is uh, catching up. However, China today has a much stronger manufacturing industry base and uh, many talented people. Uh, they can, and also, AI need a lot of math. Chinese are pretty good at math. So they can catch up uh, fairly quickly. Now they're, they're catching up, yeah. So it's very interesting you mentioned a lot of this has been in development for you know, decades, 30, 40, 60 years. Mm -hmm. 
But even here in Silicon Valley, there's just tremendous amount of talk about AI just changing the landscape of industries right. and potentially causing a lot of political problems. Yeah. Unemployment Huge issues. Problem. And there's no solution. No solution. And, and what I've heard for the first time is people, instead of saying, oh my God, new industries will be created to create new jobs, mm -hmm. people are saying, I can't see new jobs. Right. I just see old jobs being destroyed. Right. I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, right now there's two schools of thought uh, debating because in the past, for many industrial revolution, people initially, like a machine or tools came out, the UK labor work smashed the machine, right? But the eventually people find new job, more creative job, more productive job. So one school said, don't worry, AI, you know, people will have a better uh, things to do, right? More creative things to do. Another school uh, is saying, wait, this time is different because AI can not only replace your muscle, can also replace your brain. And as of today, as a, as a technologist, I already see the potential that uh, many human work can be replaced. Uh, like, uh, you know, Wall Street, I think uh, Goldman Sachs just laid off hundreds of uh, traders. You know, you don't need the traders. Uh, it's just algorithm can do uh, the traders. So how does that work, especially in a country like China where job is so important, mm -hmm. where the government needs to grow in order to provide jobs? Well, th this is not a just China's problem. This is everybody's problem. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, some uh, theoretists, even to the extreme, predicting that in the future, there's only 1% genius working, design this machine. 99% people taking universal income, stay, you know, doing whatever they want. You know, that, that's, I don't necessarily agree with this, but that's one extreme kind of a prediction. Seems like in the U.S., you know, there's this big conversation going on in the tech community. Now, the government, the administration <coughs> seems to be not as focused. How is that playing out in China between the, go between the government and the technology community. In other words, is the Chinese government thinking more about this than maybe the American government, as far as you know? Uh, I think the uh, U.S. government, I, uh, I think White House has this uh, AI sort of white paper uh, published uh, a few months ago. Uh, I, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, at least in the last administration, uh, they really understand the technology pushing uh, the, the progress. For this current one, I don't know. Uh, mm. I mean, they're still in the chaotic situation trying to figure out things. Chinese government, traditionally, they always do this forward-looking thing because uh, that's sort of their tradition, five-year plan, 10-year plan. Mm. And uh, AI was just got into government radar. I, I think they just revised their, their long-term national science and technology strategic plan they just added AI into this. I think this was the, like a few days ago. And, uh, but the, you, you know, like Asian countries, Japan, China, Singapore, government tends to be more strong-handed mm. for the industry. They're trying to plan ahead. Uh, there's a pro and the cons we don't have time to discuss. But uh, I would say uh, Chinese government probably, once they realize how important it is, they'll be much more coordinated. and the, Plus, they have a resource. They have a whole lot more money than, money, uh, than U.S. federal government uh, to mm. pour into the area that, that they think uh, that are important. Mm -hmm. So how do you see China and U.S. compete or collaborate with each other in this pretty um, exciting Yeah, this area? is a very interesting topic. Uh, 
like uh, AI today, there's a trend called open source. Google, Facebook, they, the TensorFlow, they all open their source. So given that they opened all the, basically these open source will help those later comers don't have to go through a lot of hassles. They can immediately start and deploy those things. And uh, I think open source will help China to catch up a little bit quicker because the engineers, they can just use open source. On the other hand, open source is also ecosystem. It's like Android, right? I mean, Google controls this TensorFlow. They don't necessarily open everything. They probably still hold something core to, to them to their advantage. So by having open source, yet on one hand, you, you help the other people who lag behind. On the other hand, all the developers in the world are developing on your platform. So you control the ecosystem. So there's a pro and cons. That's uh, from the industry point of view. Um, I, I, I think that uh, potentially, because AI is applicable to all industries, so there's no way that one country can just do this in isolation. Every country has to, to, sh to work with each other. And mm -hmm. uh, for example, like uh, um, uh, autonomous driving, right? Uh, what's important is the data that uh, each car, like today, Google has a few cars. They can collect data, but it would take forever for them to tour all the street in the entire United States, let alone the world, right? What if every single car put a camera, put some data collection, they can share, like crowd, uh, crowdsourcing data. Mm -hmm. the, then quickly can build a worldwide map for everywhere. Mm -hmm. Then what, that will benefit everybody. So, so people are talking about democratization of AI. So how likely is that, and what are the obstacles? Well, obviously, sharing anything cross boundaries of a private company, uh, let alone border of a country, is traditionally difficult, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, among the companies, you have to convince them that uh, every, I will gain more than I lose, mm. right? I think, uh, I personally, I think, at least within the United States, uh, companies like autonomous driving or even medical, uh, people will eventually go that route given they can provide protection of privacy. Mm -hmm. For example, you can take out all your name out, you know, uh, encrypt, uh, in, uh, encrypt all this data. And uh, however, cross-country sharing data is probably hard uh, because there's a lot of politics going on, especially given the backdrop of all the countries, US, Europe, going back to nationalists, you know, these, uh, rhetoric of, uh, you know, uh, I'm the first, making me great again. Everybody's doing this. Then this create a potential barrier for, this is a sort of anti-globalization, right? Mm -hmm. This is anti-technology cross. Uh, we see it everywhere. Yeah, we mm -hmm. see it everywhere. It's not mm -hmm. just US. Mm -hmm. So this is a potential uh, problem for those uh, cross uh, collaboration among uh, between countries, among mm. countries. And then going back a little bit about this idea of ecosystem and platform and architecture, you know, you can argue that when it came to semiconductor, computing was built on x86. Right. It was it was open, but Intel kind of had a lot of control. Mm -hmm. On the internet, it was based on internet protocols largely developed here right. in the US. Right. On cell phone, cellular, you could say it's iPhone mm -hmm. or it's Android. Mm -hmm. Both are very American-driven. Right. How would that look in AI? Do you think that's 
it's the same paradigm going forward? I think AI, as, as, as we can see today, is still absolutely U.S. leading, uh, Silicon Valley leading, no, no question about it. You know, Google being uh, number one, and their NVIDIA being the chip maker. You know, it's almost like uh, Google being the old Microsoft, NVIDIA being old Intel, right? I mean, this is like a, one company control the chips, one company control the software. So uh, going forward, uh, I, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, because these ecosystem has a winner-take-all kind of the characteristics, right? Because if I'm a developer, Right now, there are multiple systems, like uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook have a cafe, you know, Microsoft has, uh, Amazon has uh, their own system. It's really hard. I often got this question uh, from friends, oh, which platform I should take? Because once you take a platform, you are investing your development, your codes into this. It's really hard for me to, to learn from all the platform, follow the changes, all the, so once I commit to the one, I'm gonna, you're stuck there. This is stuck there, right? Like, yeah. like a marriage. Uh, yeah. you, you, so, mm. so, 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 like getting too many frequent flyer <laughs> miles with one airline. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're yeah. stuck. You can always give it to your friends. <laughs> so, 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 basically, as we're speaking, Google's TensorFlow has the most of the developers. I think ten times more than other uh, platforms. Um, this could. That doesn't mean TensorFlow is the the best in all aspect. You know, in terms of technical features, mm -hmm. but you know, once they build it, you know, Microsoft Windows was not necessarily the best operating system. Right. Mm -hmm. Once you gain the volume, the momentum, you, 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 everybody build. Then it's really hard to replace or dislodge. So, mm -hmm. investing on behalf of CEG, do you have any charter or mandate to either bring the technology back or do any work with China? No. Uh, basically, we're just like any other VC companies. Uh, you know, my. I'm, I'm, I'm excited, uh, you can tell I'm excited about technology I, because I can understand. Today, that's one of our, our fun advantage that because AI involves a lot of deep tech, you have to understand operating system, chips, uh, algorithm, mathematics. Not many investors, traditional investors, even VC investors can really dive into the technology, understand them. That's rare. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, 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 unlike you know, if you do Amazon, oh yeah, I can understand, you use the internet to sell books. Everybody mm -hmm. can understand a business model. This is not about business model, about technology. Mm -hmm. Like sensors, radar, lidar, you know, involve a lot of physics. Actually, my PhD training really helps because I had this, to take a lot of courses uh, to get a PhD. You know, I, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 courses covering a lot of area. When I was running my company as a CEO, I thought, gee, this is total waste. To be a CEO, all you need is to, to know the, the financial numbers plus, <laughs> you know, the, the, the revenue minus expense equal to your uh, profit, right? Uh, now, as an investor, wow, this is a totally uh, useful uh, training. That's a number one. And when I talk to technology entrepreneurs, they feel connected with me because I can appreciate, I can understand. So uh, uh, if you're just a financial investor, it's really hard to make a connection mm. with them. And uh, another one's because I build my own company. I know how the company from zero to you know IPO the process. Uh, uh, the, the, another advantage that we have is that uh, being a Stanford alumni in the valley, you have a tremendous uh, you know extensive alumni network that can. Um, uh, China is also one advantage that uh, some of the 
applications like autonomous driving, medical, Chinese have a huge market. We don't necessarily have to bring them there. If, if there's a market fit, we can definitely provide value there, that mm -hmm. we can connect them to channel partners, marketing people for technology here who generally doesn't know, can you probably, you know, for, 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 for uh, small, young technical companies to go China, they probably take half a year, one year to orient themselves. At least. At least. <laughs> so we can help them to get around running to, to knock on the doors of customers. And so given uh, two things, one is your deep knowledge, really, of mm -hmm. this area, artificial mm -hmm. intelligence on the one hand, and given on the other hand, that our uh, China 411 series is, is uh, to a great extent about Sino-American relations. Right. <clears throat> Project into the future for us, will this fourth wave, artificial intelligence, will that lead to uh, China and the U.S. getting along together better or potentially less well? Uh, I, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think China-U.S. relationship are predominantly determined by the political atmosphere, not by technology. Mm. Uh, so technology is neutral. <clears throat> uh, basically, it can uh, create it. But technology itself uh, have an intrinsic characteristic that require sharing, require exchange of information, require collaboration, mm -hmm. globalized, right? So any technology, whether it's internet or AI, uh, but today's uh, uh, worrisome uh, situation is that uh, because uh, United States, going back to this uh, nationalism kind of uh, rhetoric uh, and uh, sort of a threatened to have a trade war with the, not only China, with the Japan, you know, uh, putting high tariffs, all these are hindering uh, technology collaboration, hindering overall progress in humankind. So these are the, 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 the concern. Regarding the, you know, the, the two countries' relationship, I think uh, uh, we, uh, as a uh, business uh, community, we're uh, really worrisome. We, we want to see more open, uh, not only U.S. open this market, China also open more further its market to have a more uh, to encourage more collaboration, more exchange of information, and uh, uh, you know, to leverage each country's uh, unique advantages. Uh, but now the situation is a little bit uh, sort of fuzzy. Nobody knows what will happen down the road, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, we we hope the you know the situation will improve. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for this amazing conversation, and. Do you have any more questions? No, I think All that's right. a well, lot. Thank you. Well, okay. this wraps up another episode of China 411. Until next time, see you in the future. Great. Thank, thank you. you.